Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> hello, everybody. Welcome to the grand opening of our podcast, One for the Table. We are here to talk about everything we love. And by everything, we mean food, because food rules our lives. Food is everything. My name is Kim Chi. I am a drag sensation and makeup mogul. I was chosen by some magazine as like the 17 most powerful drag queen at some point. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure I'm like way further lower in the list at this point now. And I'm John Kung. I am a content creator on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And before that, I was a professional chef and professional cook. We decided to start a podcast because we love food and we could talk about food for hours. And when we hang out, all we do is talk about food. So I was like, why don't we share like our thoughts with food with the world? Literally inflicted on everyone else. There's just a lot the world needs, you know, another gay people would podcast. Two outwardly expressive men with opinions on something. There's just not enough podcasts in the world. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So John, should he tell them about how we met? Yeah, so a little background about our relationship. It was shortly after season, was your season, season eight? Yeah, Kim? season eight of RuPaul's Drag Race, yeah. It was shortly after season eight of RuPaul's Drag Race had aired back in like 1997. Oh my God, no, don't give both information. <laughs> it aired in t- 2016. <laughs> yeah, I was booked for Motor City Pride. So then I came to Detroit for a gig. And then John came stumbling backstage drunk. I was so very drunk. And the promoter that booked me asked me, do you want to go out for a dinner or do you want to like over to like Chef John's place and he'll cook you like a nice dinner? And I'm like, I mean, I'm always down for like a home cooked meal, you know, that chef turned out to be John Kong who stumbled in drunk into the dressing room. Yeah. So it was one of the first few prides that I would like actually made it into. And I wasn't having like a particularly good time. So I did that thing where you like grab a drink at the booth and then walk to the back of the line for a drink with your drink in hand. And I just kept going in circles. I think I did that two or three times. And there were like 7-Eleven big gulp sides, vodka, Red Bulls. And so I think after that, I had stumbled into VIP where Kim was. And the promoter was like, hey, do you want to like cook for me or to cook for Kim, Kim Chi? And I didn't know what she was saying, but my best friend wasn't with me. And he said yes for me. And so I said yes through him. And then we ended up going straight to Whole Foods where I did ingredient shopping. And somehow I managed to put together within a period of like one hour, like a four or five course dinner for Kim at my studio. And by the time I was cooking, I was sobering up. So she came in and we've been friends ever since. Yeah. I taste the food and I'm like, oh, this is um, some good stuff. <laughs> I still remember everything you cooked. You made some lamb, some chicken. I think I made you like two types of chicken. I made you like a Sichuanese, like house, it was called house hoikai, which means like mouthwatering chicken. It was like this cold chicken dish that had like the chili oil and the sesame seeds on top. And that was chopped up. And then I also made you a master sauce chicken, which was braised in like a master stock that at that point that I had was like three years old. Um, that sauce had died, unfortunately. But yeah, at that point was series resort. And then I did like, was it lamb chops? There was, was there a lamb there? I don't remember there being lamb. Yeah, there was a lamb there. It was so good. How did I afford lamb at Whole Foods? I don't know. You managed somehow. So lamb, 
Probably rice, uh, some rice as well. Did you bring Naomi yet? No, no, no. no. It was just you that time. Naomi was yeah. the second time. And at that point, I've been traveling like nonstop because I'm for being on Drag Race. And every meal I've eaten has been either like fast food after a gig because that's the only thing that's open or airport food. So like eating like a nice ass home cooked Chinese meal was like, oh my God, it was like such a treat. Yeah, that was a good time. And then we had like kept in touch. Mm -hmm. I think you had come over to Detroit a couple of times after that. Mm -hmm. I think it was after your second or third time that you had come visit Detroit for like a gig or something. And then we started traveling together. And then we've been like really good friends ever since. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, what actual year was season eight? Uh, 2016. So oh, no. like, is that six years ago? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, seven. Seven. Oh my God. Oh no. <laughs> oh. We've almost been friends for 10 years, Kim. Back when I had a hairline. Um. <laughs> Good old days. Uh, but anyways, um, John is an easy person to travel with, and he's um, a very easy person to talk to. So we just naturally connected, and here we are. Yeah. I think, like, the start of our real food journey must have been when we went to, like, Taiwan. Yeah. And that was, like, when we realized that, like, okay, we're not just, like, travel friends, but, like, we are super passionate about, like, this one thing which is like trying different foods, no ego about it, no reservations, no need to like, you know, whether it be complete street food or street salt snacks or, or fine dining, like we'll go to all of those things and we'll try everything mm -hmm. more than once. We'll try it like even if we don't like something, I feel like we'll try it two or three times just to make sure. Exactly. We're, we're those kinds of like experiential foodies. So some of the things like we had in Taiwan were mind-blowing but our favorite thing to eat there was like the black pepper buns. Oh my God, the black pepper buns. It's so good, right? Okay, like I can't go back. I can honestly say these black pepper buns changed my life because I've never tasted anything like it here in the States and I've never been able to find anything like it in the States. Yes, so basically they were these baked yeasted bread buns that were stuffed with black pepper beef or, or pork. It was No, pork. It was black pepper. It's pork. Yeah. It was black pepper pork with tons of scallions. Like and then ton. they would wrap them in this. Yeah, like just, you would think it would be too much. Like mm -hmm. you would think it would be too much and too oniony, but it wasn't. They would wrap them in these uh, balls of dough and then they would stick the dough into these like, they looked like, well, they're tandoor ovens. But if you don't know what that is, it looks kind of like a jet engine made of concrete with a hole in the middle and a fire underneath. And they would stick to the sides of these concrete walls and they would bake them for like an hour. And it would just bake inside this thing for an hour. And it would get so juicy and so, so very hot and soft and crunchy. It was, oh, delicious. I would love to go back just for that alone. Same. The best way I could describe these buns is, um, okay, so imagine a dinner roll. But then the outside shell is like a calzone where it's like hard and crusty. And then when you bite into like that crusty calzone, the entire thing is filled with meat juice. And then inside the meat juice, there is a chunk of meat floating. And when you bite into the meat, it is like spicy from the black pepper. Uh, but then like the green onion like cuts through it. So like it's not like so rich. It is literally like the most like perfect form of like, it's everything you would want. Like it's like a soup dumpling in a calzone form, basically. 
That was like Fifty Shades of Grey before food. Which we've <laughs> talked about that. That was so good. I am so, so, so very hungry right now. Well, we loved it so much to the point where we Googled every single um, restaurant and like places that make it. And we went to every single one of them um, just to like yes. compare all of them. And all of them taste slightly different. And these are so popular to the point where some places where you go, you have to get a number. And then yeah. they'll tell you like, oh, this batch will be done at like three o'clock. So then you come back with the number at three o'clock and then they only, you're only able to uh, buy away like two or three at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was just like one of the things we eat. There were like other things that were so good. We could talk about that trip like at a different time. Yeah, but that's, a, that's a whole podcast on its own. Yeah, that is whole. Taiwan is a whole podcast on its own and our desire to retire there. <laughs> and you're probably wondering like, why do these gays think they're qualified to like have like a podcast about food? I feel like based on how we were just talking about like the simple bread bun alone, we kind of like have shown that we have such a great love for this thing. Like, sure, like I was a professional cook or I still am a professional cook, but I cooked professionally for over 15 years. I was a chef. I was a cook. I'm like, of course, I have opinions on things that happen in my industry, things that happen within my craft. But like, I don't think that is the only reason that people should that's the only thing that qualifies somebody to talk about something like food is one of those things where it's like if you love it that much like you you're allowed to have an opinion on it everybody has an opinion on food and everyone's opinion on food is to an extent valid because they're the ones that have to eat it so and personally um a lot of people don't know this about me but um i've actually worked in like various jobs like mostly like in the hospitality side in the food industry like, my first job was Burger King. Then I've also worked as a barista. And then I've also worked as a server at a Asian restaurant for two years. And then after that, I worked as a server at a fine dining in a hotel. But then um, I think working as a server in the hotel job is, like, what really, like, shaped me up to open up my mind regarding, like, all different types of things. Because when you start, you have to start as, like, a breakfast server. And then you move on to lunch, and then you eventually move on to dinner. And it's also very interesting because this restaurant, each meal period is completely this different. So breakfast, you're mostly serving to like European guests or like hotel guests. And breakfast, my personal opinion, of like all the serving jobs, breakfast server is the hardest job <laughs> because everyone is so particular about their breakfast. Like people want their eggs like a certain temperature. Their coffee has to be a certain temperature. The accoutrement, you know, like they need like a specific amount of sugar. Some people want their like milk steamed. And then you just, some people want their, like, coffee, like, refilled, like, a million times. And on top of that, the tech averages are much lower because no one ever gets, like, courses for breakfast. So anyways, mad respect for the breakfast servers that are out there. <laughs> breakfast and brunch. Breakfast and brunch, yeah. At least brunch, there's, like, alcohol sales. Yeah, that's true. A pure breakfast server, ooh, that is, like, not a fun job. And then lunchtime, um, we would cater to, because it was, like, in the Chicago downtown area, we cater to like a lot of like business power lunches, politicians, and then tourists like who are shopping around. And then at dinner time, because the restaurant was in the theater district, um, we cater to the theater goers and like people in days and people celebrating special occasions. So just working there for, I think I was a server there for about nine years. You were in the service industry for over nine years? Yeah, but before drag. I mean, even while I was doing the trick, I was like working as a server at the same time too. Did you ever do like the hamburger Mary's thing? Mm, no. And served while in drag? No. Would you have? I mean, 
I guess if the money was there, but that was just like not a thing in Chicago. Like drag queens, like when you're in drag, you're a drag queen and you're like this like big grand creature. Oh um, yeah. Drag, I know. drag artistry is like a is like mm-hmm. really a thing in Chicago. Drag I feel like is, is various is a very special thing. But I feel like every like every city and every bar has their own culture. Like some cities, like drag queens like there are like venues where drag queens like take your orders and like serve you and but at the time when I was starting drag in Chicago, that was just like not the culture there. So anyways, um and then I was also doing graphic design for the restaurant too, like making their menus and stuff. Is that where your background in makeup happened? No. Uh, makeup just happened randomly. For Halloween one year, my best friend at the time was like, I'm going to do drag for Halloween. Do you want to do it with me? And I was like, sure. And then we practiced makeup for like a month on and off. And then the first night I went out, I ended up getting booked for a show. And then it just kind of like escalated from there. As I'm really curious, because like you're so widely known as still one of the best painters of all the drag girls in Drag Race. So, like, I was wondering if you ever did that, like, professionally to get you to that point or if, like, graphic design, like, gave you, like, the eye to do something like that. Uh, even before doing graphic design, I was, well, a fine artist, like, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So, I only, like, did graphic design because I thought it would be the easiest, like, art job to, like, make money. Yeah. But then after doing it, yeah. I realized, like, it's all corporate work and you're designing for a bunch of people who has no art background or eye for, like, an art. That's totally the same thing. Graphic design and I think, like, fine dining have that in common. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you try to produce these, like, artistically relevant things where ultimately, though, like, regardless of whether how talent doesn't matter how talented you are as the chef or the designer or how, like, beautiful you're the things that you make are, ultimately the only opinion that matters is the person that, like, you're doing it for. And they might not get it. So it always like whittles down into something that is like expected. That has like mass appeal in a way. I imagine the frustration is the same. But at least about fine dining, when people like go to fine dining, there's like an expectation of like, I'm eating like what the chef is curating. Mm-hmm. Oh, but then I guess like there's always people, those people like, oh, I, can I get this without like celery root and replace it with like mashed potato or something? Right. Substitutions. Yeah, substitutions, um, <laughs> back when I was a server too, was like the bait of my existence. Because sometimes like we like list garnishes, you know, like microgreens. And people are like, instead of microgreens, can I get a Caesar salad? And I'm like, no, you <laughs> dumb bitch. Like, no, that is a, <laughs> that's literally the decoration. You won on the course for it. Oh my gosh. I went through a period where like I used so many like microgreens. And like edible flowers and stuff. I think it was, it was easily 10, 12 years ago. And like all my shit just looked like a meadow in a field just because I would just put all these flowers and greens on them thinking that would that was elevating my shit. But really, it was just like, okay. Did you use really gold flakes too? Stuff. I never used gold flake because at least microgreens could taste like something. Like if you got like micro arugula or which would taste peppery or if you got sorrel, which tasted like lemons. <laughs> Um, but like gold leaf doesn't taste like anything. So I never like bought that, but still, I mean, I just relied way too much on microgreens. And now anytime I see it, I ruined it for myself. Cause now anytime I go to a fine dining restaurant and like see these like tiny little leaves, I'm like, okay, you didn't really think about that. You just think that like you put that there cause you, you expect that's what people want or that's the only way you know how to like 
add another $25 to the price tag of this dish. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know, the gold trend, like, like I saw the other day in the World Wide Web, like in the entire state covered in gold foil. And I'm like, what is the point of this? Yeah. Okay. So gold is perfect for like social media and TikTok and stuff like that because it's flashy and the person that's watching is not going to eat it anyway. So if you put like something like microgreens and flowers on something like that, like at least if you're experiencing it, at the very least, you can eventually eat those things and whether or not you like them, you're still going to be able to eat that. But like for people who are just watching this as a video, like gold takes you to that level where it's like it doesn't taste like anything anyway. The whole point is just for you to see it. So that's why I think like putting gold on a steak or on like chicken and waffles or some other kind of bullshit like that. Like that's why it does so well because it's like, oh, I'm literally just throwing money at this for no reason except for you to see it. Money. It's always money. <laughs> but speaking of TikToks, um, you really blew up in TikTok during the pandemic. I did. So I was watching TikTok probably for a year before the pandemic started. And by watching, I was not like obsessed with TikTok like people like are now. I would literally like be bored after I wake up in the morning. I turn it on and I'd flick through a few videos and it would always be like, for me, it would always be like someone doing really cute cosplay or like every, there was a, probably like 20 or 30 content creators really on TikTok or all the people that were still on there when it was like Music Kali before. So I was like, I'd get bored really quick, but something about the app back then, even back then made me think like, oh, this thing is, there's something special about this, but not yet. So I would check up on it once a month for a year. And then eventually older people started getting on it. And it got more interesting because people were like voicing opinions about politics and social justice and stuff like that. And then the pandemic hit and then TikTok absolutely blew up. I didn't really realize it at the time, but I might have been one of the first major food content creators on that app because I was like so early and just like figuring my way out through it during quarantine. And that's when I blew up when people like it was an opportunity, really, that I just had seized when everyone else was still like, oh, people are just dance on there, right? <laughs> yeah. Would you even say like TikTok changed your life? 100%. The pandemic, well, the pandemic changed all our lives, uh, but like it's kind of weird in a sick, twisted way that it like the pandemic is responsible for me doing all of this. And then TikTok was the way that it all happened. And now, like, I spend my time pretty evenly between, like, TikTok and YouTube. Um, and they all, like, serve different things for me on social media now. But, like, I am, I do not cook physically for people, for other people, like, anymore. And before, that was, like, all I did. And now I only cook one of everything. And I just do it in front of a camera. And now I have a camera crew to do it for me. Oh, my God. So bushy. I know. <laughs> and the only person that gets to um relish the fruit of your labor is your boyfriend. Yes. Well, you too, if you should decide to come over more and visit Detroit more. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I, I will check my schedule. You're such a bitch. I mean, I, I love Detroit. I, I love Detroit. I'm, <laughs> for listeners, I'm from Michigan. I'm proud of being from Michigan. Where from Michigan are you from? 
I'm from Okemos. And Okemos, Michigan has also produced another internet sensation. Tyler Oakley. Hell yeah. Okemos has got it going on. <laughs> <laughs> I think like the most like interesting thing about you is um how you used to be a lawyer. And I feel like not many people know about that. That's not really all that interesting. That is, I, I, know, I don't think about that very much because I don't think it's very interesting. But yeah, I did, I, I went to law school, I graduated law school, and I worked for the prosecutor's office for a couple of years. During that time when I was studying law, I also, that's when I taught myself how to cook as well. So like that whole thing, like I was, yes, I was in law school, but I was also learning how to cook, doing a food blog. And then that turned into pop-ups in like 2008, 2009, or to, no, 2009, 2010 in Detroit, I was like studying for school and then also opening pop-up restaurants in like abandoned buildings in the city. And so once it came time for me to be like, okay, I'm going to do one or the other, I decided on food because at that point in time, I think the job working at a prosecutor for, as like a assistant prosecutor was like, $28,000 a year. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to struggle, at least I'm going to do it while like cooking food and doing something that I really liked doing. Okay. And then I also have a random question for you. What? So world is ending tomorrow. Uh-huh. And you're going to die. Uh-huh. Let's curate a meal, appetizer, entree, and dinner of like what you want to eat before you die. Uh, okay. So... End of the world. What is my end of the world meal? Okay, so for breakfast, uh-huh. I would have 100% I would have congee, which is like this rice porridge. And it would be the one that's made out of pork and the century egg. But like that, that century egg is chopped up and cooked inside the congee because I like the taste of it, but I can't eat the egg itself. It's too strong for my, for my nose. Mm-hmm. But I like the flavor, so I eat that kanji. But also, with I forgot what it's called. I want to say it's wuti, but I don't really know Chinese, so I, that could be any kind of word. Uh, it's pretty much they call it like Chinese. It's a Chinese donut. It's fried dough sticks that we use to dip into the kanji itself, and like the dough is really really tasty. Sometimes it's savory, sometimes it's sweet, but it like really absorbs the kanji really well so that plus um i think on the side i would have like really good kimchi and chinese pickles and dumplings and that would be my breakfast mm-hmm. my lunch would be sushi and a big bowl of spicy chili oil lamb cumin noodles um, with dessert being oh dessert would be like uh, my favorite fruit which would be Filipino mangoes and custard apples custard apples look like chamoya but they're not the same I I, I realize that they're not the same Um, custard apples kind of taste like they literally taste like vanilla custard, tangy vanilla custard. It's delicious. And then the uh, for dinner time, it would be fried chicken, Detroit style pizza, 
and like a lot, a lot of like really, really deep red wine. Because if the world is going to end after dinner, I want to be too drunk to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds like a nice meal. <laughs> <laughs> what is yours? Okay, so for breakfast, I've been obsessed with Turkish shags. And if you've never had Turkish shags before, it is so good, so tangy, and so rich. So it's a bed of warm Greek yogurt, but it has grated garlic in it. And then maybe like dill or mint. And then topped with poached eggs. And then you top that with this butter sauce that has, um, that has been like cooked down with chili. And then you take a really good crusty sourdough bread and you break up the egg yolk and you mix it together with the egg yolk. Um, and it's like creamy and tangy and buttery and spicy, but herbaceous. It is so yummy. Where do you get that in LA? Um, there's like a lot of places that does it. Um, this place called Open Market does it. Uh-huh. You can make it at home. Okay. Well, can we go? Yes, <laughs> of that course. That sounds really good. <laughs> when we when I visit in LA, I would like to come and I would like to have some of that. Oh my god, I'm like drooling just thinking about it. No, me too. And I've never had it before. Mm. And then for lunch, I want to go to a really fierce. Indian buffet, and I say Indian buffet because uh, I don't just want like yeah, good one. one dish. I want like all the Indian dish. So I want to like line the bottom of my plate with basmati rice, and then like I just want to top each corner with different Indian dish. You know, I mean there's just so much variety like that. I don't want to limit myself to just like one Indian dish. You know? Yeah, but if you had to, what is your favorite like Indian dish? Um, I like, forgive my pronunciation, um, bendido piazza, which is like an okra curry. Like, if I see okra curry, like, I always get it. Because it's like slimy, spicy, like oniony, but also like tangy from the tomatoes. I also like mutter paneer. Water chicken is good. <laughs> Lamb rogan josh is good. I just love all Indian food so much. Mm. Uh, Actually, maybe that's what I'll have for lunch today. Anyways, and then for dinner. dinner? So dinner has to be Korean food. Okay. Uh-huh. Fresh cooked, and it has to be a fresh cooked bowl of white rice, a big portion of it, with kimchi stew made with really sour inch kimchi with chunks of soft pork belly. Uh-huh. And that's kimchi jjigae, right? Kimchi jjigae, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then a couple of fried eggs on the side. In a pile of um, seaweed, like like the crispy seaweed, mm. and that's all I need for dinner. Nice, oh, kimchi jjigae is so good. Oh, and then for dessert, really, really ripe peaches, like type of peaches that are like your favorite. I love stone fruit. Stone fruit is yeah, stone fruit is your favorite. I usually don't really care for them too much. Oh my I god, peaches when they're so like ripe, and then you bite into it, and the whole thing just like turns into like water in your mouth, and the water just like drips down your hand and it's like so sweet and syrupy and sticky. I feel like as a Chinese person, I should really like peaches out of a sense of like cultural pride because that's one of the things that actually came out of China. But it was like peaches are fine. I, I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy a peach, but like I like other. I like more more like 
tropical, tropical fruits. I like durian too. Mm, durian's good. It's very polarizing, but it's good. I also love cherries. Anyways, I haven't eaten breakfast yet, so I'm like starving. <laughs> uh, I actually literally just came out of a workout for this, so I'm really hungry too. Um, I know we should always um, record these podcasts when we're hungry. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what are you going to make after this? I was thinking about just doing dump because it's a cardio day. I would mm-hmm. kind of let myself eat whatever I want on cardio day. So mm-hmm. it's usually just like dumplings. I'm going to do dumplings and salong tong today. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll put an egg on it. I like using dumplings instead of noodles for stuff. Mm-hmm. Like instead of like a plate of pasta or whatever, you just like use a bag of frozen dumplings instead. You're going to some protein. Like, oh, yeah. Isn't that some protein and some fat? It's not even that. It's just like better. It's just, I just imagine like instead of like a bowl of noodles and stuff, it's just a Mm -hmm. whole bowl of tiny, tiny dumplings. It's so much more satisfying. Oh yeah. Dumplings will always satisfy me. Mm -hmm. What about you? I actually have plans to um, go get dim sum with my friends um, today. So I guess I'm eating dumplings too. (laughs) Yay. Which dim sum place are you going to? Um, I'm going to the one at... It's called Atlantic, and it's the one where they bring carts over, and you get to like mm-hmm. pick everything off the carts. For me in particular, I've been craving um, turnip cakes and chicken feet. Uh, and you should be eating turnip cakes because it's good luck for Lunar New Year. New Year, yeah, yeah. Turnip cakes with a little piece of dry shrimp, but then also like the sticky rice, like wrapped in like that banana leaf. Oh, uh, so fragrant. It's so filling, but it's so good. Oh, zongzi. Uh, it's it's bamboo leaf. A bamboo leaf. Excuse me. Sorry. No, no, no. (laughs) No, thank you for correcting me before I get blasted in the message boards. (laughs) Could you imagine, like, if we did this live and we had people in the chat? No, because you might say something transphobic like you usually do. Hey, don't, you can't do that. You can't just say (laughs) stuff like that. Just because I never finished the season of Pose doesn't mean I'm transphobic. Why would I just you finish Pose? Be... Pose is so good. Because I don't like to. Because I don't like to be sad. I don't like to be made sad. It is. But also, there's like a lot of. But it's also comedy at the same time. So you know, just as many sad moments there are, there are just moments that are also like heartwarming and funny. Okay. Yes, I'm sure there are. But the only memory of Pose that I have in my head was after we took that vacation. And you were like seriously, seriously coming down from things. And I came back with like, (laughs) I came back with what? I had gone out and gotten snacks or coffee or something. And I came back and you were just sitting there crying in front of your television watching Pose. And I was like, I never want to feel like that. (laughs) Yeah, but it was like a very like monumental episode where one of like the major character dies. And I know. Like, to this day, like, no other, like, episode of a show has made me cry that hard. So, um, suck on that. (laughs) It's okay, you gotta touch with your feelings and emotions. I, yeah. You know? I would rather just eat my feelings. No. None of this, like, toxic masculinity, like, I'm too tough for this stuff. (laughs) It has nothing to do with that. I just don't like to be sad. People like you are the reason why Post got canceled. No, that is not true. That is not true. Wasn't it on FX too? It was, yeah. It was? I didn't have, I couldn't afford FX at that time. I wasn't on TikTok yet. I'm trying to think of, I didn't, 
I never watched it on FX. It would always get uploaded to some streaming platform. Or are you buying the seasons on Apple TV or something? No, I don't mind. I don't know. There's so many streaming platforms. I can't remember which one it was. But um, speaking of it, um, are you watching anything? The most recent food thing that I watched was The Menu, which is that movie, which is an amazing, amazing movie. Spoiler alert. If you haven't watched The Menu, go watch it or fast forward to the 34 minute mark. It was a commentary. Well, you know, you know what it, because I know you watched it too, but it mm-hmm. was a commentary on like fine dining and stuff like that. Yeah. And between putting your darkest secrets on a tortilla and then like putting everything on a bagel from like the Michelle Yeoh mm-hmm. movie, everything yeah. everywhere all at once. It was a, it was a big year for food and film. Yeah. It's so funny because um, I see so many like conflicting like opinions regarding that movie, the menu. Really? And what were some of the bad opinions? Oh, not bad opinion. Opinions that didn't like it. People it's that didn't like, like it. Was um, like said. a lot of like the kids that didn't get it. It's supposed to be like a dark comedy, you know. It was it was hilarious. Why didn't they try harder to escape? It's like that's not the point of the movie. Like them. Yeah. Yeah. They were never like. Is it was like people falling into the cult mentality. First of all, they, yeah. they totally established like over the course of the movie, it totally shows you why they decided. They went through mm-hmm. like all the reasons why they would have stayed. Mm-hmm. At first they were entrapped mm-hmm. because they couldn't leave because they had all that dirt on them. Yep. And then over over time, it turned into a Stockholm syndrome situation mm-hmm. where like the people that were guests there kind of like started to like buy into the cultiness of it as well. And like, they were like, oh, this med is a genius. And it's like, everything he does has a reason. Very, very much a commentary on like a lot of toxic chefs in the professional culinary field for mm-hmm. fine dining, because that is what they're totally like. What's the menu? We could totally do an episode on the menu too. Just dissecting like every bits and pieces. <laughs> yeah. What was like, for me, the first food show that I kind of fell in love with was like Chef's Table. I think the first food show that I fell in love with was, oh my God, you're going to judge me so hard for this. I, I, don't, even, I don't even know if I should I'm say listening. it. I'm listening. No, 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 no. You should say it. Back when I was in high school and um, junior and senior year, I was the um, editor for the yearbook. Uh-huh. And after school, when we were like working on the yearbook, um, we'd always like put on Food Network. And around the time, um, we get like these like slew of like the Food Network chef shows like in a row. And we love to like hate watch because um, we get Rachel Ray's um, 30-minute meals, uh, Sandra Lee's um, semi-homemade meals, Jada de Lourdes' um, the Italian show, Ina Garten, um, and then Rachel Ray's $40 a day. So basically, we just have it in the background and just talk shit about these shows like the entire time we were watching. <laughs> yeah. I never really got into Food Network very much. I think... You know, Chef's Table was the first time I, w- I took, like, food media seriously. Well, I just, I couldn't believe, like, as a person, you know, like, who grew up, like, Korean-American, every single recipe that they'll make were basically, like, the same thing. Like, here's a pasta dish. Oh, uh, here's, like, a roasted chicken dish with some, like, herbs. And just, like, they're basically showing, like, variations of, like, same thing, but just, like, in a different form for, like, hours. You know, I think like... they were just really aware of who their, like, market segment was. They were just like, I think Food Network, unfortunately for Food Network now, because like they kind of like cater to um, a less adventurous crowd. And I'm just like, where's the flavor? No, yeah, no, it wasn't there. Uh-huh. And then I was watching like this, uh, 
episode of Chopped and just Judge was like going after this guy because um he eats onions in his salad and he hates onions. And I'm like, why are you a judge in the show then? Like, like what qualifies you to be able to like judge someone's dish when you like hate like the most like basic ingredient and you're not even trying to like understand like why the onion exists in that salad. You know? Yeah. I love onions it, and salad. Because even if and I sandwiches hate, and burgers. Yeah. And also even if I hate an ingredient, instead of saying like, I don't like this ingredient, like why'd you put it in? As if like first of all, they wouldn't have known like that the judge would have like hated the onion. But he should have been thinking a way where oh the onion exists to like counteract like like this like beef and like this dressing like this in there, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that like really pissed me off. Yeah, no, I agree. When judges like put their own like when they dock people's points for like their opinions on their personal opinions on food or their mm-hmm. personal taste on food and they that's like somehow like an offense that like knocks points off. Mm-hmm. That is really annoying because like that's that's only your personal opinion. That does not make the food like objectively good or bad. Wait, hold that thought for a moment. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Welcome back. Hi. We're back just in time to talk about the little staples that both of us keep in our pantries and refrigerators. Mm. So, I mean, John, you actually have a really stocked pantry as a chef. Yeah. Like, what are some of the musts that um, you have to have? Well, besides, like, standard things, like, for me, standard things like butter, there's eggs. I always keep, like, some kind of, like, milk. Um, most right now, I keep, I'm keeping a lot of almond milk. Mm-hmm. But because it's like Chinese New Year right now, I also have like a lot of the things that I can just like the ingredients for things that I can just whip up in case I need to like make something for some reason in my mind, make something that's Chinese New Year themed. So I got lots of like vegetables for steamed vegetables right now. I've got like some frozen like pork, it's lots of dried noodles in my pantry. What else? A lot of like sauces, a lot okay. of sauces and pickles. Oh, for that emergency Chinese New Year dinner? Yeah, I don't know. Like <laughs> in my mind, it was like, it, for some reason during this time of year, I always like want my fridge to be extra stocked with food. Mm. And I can't I have no reason for it because I don't really have people over for, to eat very much. <laughs> um, but in my freezer, I always have like tons, like bags and bags of frozen dumplings because that is like my go to meal when like I don't have when I only cook for myself and then recently I've been keeping like pre-made pouches of solangtang to use instead of like chicken broth because I think it's super tasty it's like Korean beef bone broth you know but Mm -hmm. people might listening might not um yeah so that's that's what's in my pantry and fridge what's in yours so I always have to have eggs on hand Except right now, like, I don't know if it's in Detroit, but LA is going through, like, an egg shortage. So you go to Trader Joe's and they have, like, no eggs. And when you go to, like, an Asian grocery store, it is $10 a carton. Oh, my God. I know. Are you serious? I know, and I love eggs. I eat eggs every day. So uh, that sucks. I always have um, um, two types of kimchi in my refrigerator, like, big jars of it. One jar of really ripe kimchi for cooking, and then one jar that is um less riper, um for just like eating plain, um, and then as I finish like the um 
super ripe jar like for cooking, then I'll move like the um less ripe jar like into up, it. Like move it up <laughs> and then yeah, like yeah, buy yeah. another jar. Um but yeah, I always have like a lot of kimchi in hand. And I usually have green onion kimchi in hand too. Green onion kimchi goes really well with like noodles and things. Wait, what's green onion kimchi? Green onion kimchi? Um Yeah, what's it, what's that? You literally make kimchi with like whole stalks of green onion. And it develops like this like really unique sharp flavor. It's really good. Do you make it yourself? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I mean, I because like it sounds like I I don't know in my mind it sounds like a tangy ginger scallion oil almost. Mm, I guess, but it's a whole stock of it, so a lot of it is like textural too. Okay. So like, you get like that is crunch it still from crunchy. Like, it's still crunchy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's and at the ferment, it gets like tangier. It's really good. I just realized I have like four jars of kimchi in my fridge too. I mean, I love there's, it. There's so, so much you can do with kimchi. Like, I was just on like a vacation to like UK for like a week, mm-hmm. and then when I got back from UK, I was like, oh my god, I've been eating like rich food like all week. So for like like the next three meals, all I ate was just plain rice and kimchi, mm. and it like it satisfied me. <laughs> yeah, you miss that. Like you definitely miss those fresh and tangy flavors for mm. sure. Especially if you're out traveling where you they don't they probably don't have anything like very few opportunities to eat kimchi in the UK. I mean, you could go to a Korean restaurant, but yeah, like why would I go to a Korean restaurant when I live in Cape Town? <laughs> I was like, you know? say, I was like, it doesn't matter. Like with the, the Korean food in LA is. Like almost, if not as good as the Korean food in Korea, I don't think any other cities Korean food could like match up. Yeah, the Korean food in LA is like next level. Yeah, agreed. It's my favorite thing about it. You could have access to it if you move to LA. Stop trying to get me to move to LA. I feel like it's like a very like LA people thing to do where anybody from like out of town, they're like, oh, the water is nice here. You should move here. (laughs) It's so true. Oh my, but no, but New Yorkers do it too. Like when it, anytime like somebody visits a lot for work or whatnot, everybody's like, you should move here. It's mm-hmm. like, no girl. It's like, I don't want to wow, join your cult. <laughs> what a beautiful day outside. You should move here. Oh, this bagel is delicious. You should move here. Oh my God, the train is so convenient. You should move here. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Like LA has enough people. California has oh totally enough people. They're not but enough like, people, too much wanting, people. Yeah. And they keep trying to get more to come in anytime they visit. It's like, <laughs> you know, we just want to spread the love. You do. You I mean, do. just as much as like, why. you know, we get a lot of people here that we love. People also move out of LA a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You had a couple of friends move out recently, right? Yeah, um, a lot of friends. A lot of people like come and go from LA. Where do they go? I went back to like Iowa or Chicago. Oh, New York, even yeah. New York. Yeah, I feel like LA, like New York and LA, probably interchanges people a lot. Like people switch back and forth. I mean, LA life definitely isn't for everyone, but no. But for those of you that love it, it's an addiction. What else is in your fridge besides kimchi? Oh yeah, <laughs> way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, I always have um tunjang, which is like Korean miso, um gochujang. I like every Korean would have like tunjang and like gochujang in their like refrigerator. And then 
I have so many condiments. I don't even use like all of them, but I always like having condiments just in case like I need it. So I, I think that's like an Asian thing, right? Like mm. I've got tons of jars of condiments, like jars of stuff to eat with other stuff. With other stuff, yeah. Like I have so many. I have like so many different like random types of pickles, so many different types of like random like fermented tofu. And it's like, why do I need eight jars of mustard? And they're all slightly different, but like, why do I need eight jars of it? It's like packed with accoutrement. Like we have like all all condiments and like maybe mm -hmm. one or two actual things to eat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then um, usually I have um spices of American cheese, which like in mm. I feel like American cheese is like so like polarizing. It's either like so celebrated or hated in the foodie community. There's no in between when it comes to American cheese. I like it. I like it. When it comes yeah, to a burger, like it's a perfect a, melty cheese. Yes, yeah. it's like plasticky, but also like this what gives it like that texture too. That like the way that it, like is good. Yeah, the uigui exactly. And then Koreans use it in their food too. Yeah, like they'll put in like the ramen, army stew. I don't necessarily like love the trend of like putting cheese in everything that's happening right now. Like I don't like I like cheese, but I don't have to have cheese on everything. Mm. And everybody just wants to melt mozzarella over like any Korean dish and call it a day. Oh, you guys should like instead of using mozzarella, you should use like Wisconsin brick cheese. Tell them that's what they use. Yeah, it's like mozzarella, but it's like more. It's more flavorful and it's a little more saltier. Yeah. Um, but it, it. I think it would be, it would be a good addition. Because mozzarella is fine. Mozzarella is great, but it's more mozzarella is more for texture. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Wisconsin, have you ever been to Cheese Castle? No, what's that? Um, from Chicago, every time like I would go from Chicago to like Milwaukee, um, it's like a destination stop like on the way, and it's a. Giant... How often do you go from Chicago to Milwaukee? Back when I used to live there, quite frequently, because it's only like okay. an hour away. Okay. So, I have no idea. Um, but it's a giant castle, and. They sell only cheese and cheese products. So it's like a physical castle. It's like a physical castle, but it's essentially like a cheese grocery store. Actually, I would like to go. <laughs> I would totally like to go. Do they have like cheeses from all over the world or they just do like Wisconsin cheese? No, cheeses? they have like cheese from all over the world. But then they have like Wisconsin cheese curds and then they'll have like cheese buns, like jalapeno cheese buns. Mm. And then like... That oh, does sound good. Different like wines and stuff to go with the cheeses. But it's like this giant place. I love, I love Wisconsin cheese curds. I used to get date a guy that was from there. And every time he would go home to see his family, he'd bring back like fresh cheese curds. And they like would squeak when you bite into them, which is like how you can tell they were good. But, so, so what you're yeah. saying is he was the bottom if he's feeding you cheese. <laughs> no comment, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, uh. This Wait. conversation got real gay real fast. Well, I mean, playing with dairy is a little dangerous, you know, when you're a gay. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> well, why are you embarrassed? Nothing. Yeah. yeah. I was just, I was not expecting that. Shit, ha shit happens, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like... I don't know. You rarely hear about like gay lovers like gifting each other cheeses, you know? <laughs> I do like, but do like, 
Is cheese all that romantic of a food in general? No, it's like, would you want to make out with someone who has cheese breasts? I don't. I mean, if you both have cheese breath and none of you have cheese breath, I have that same rule with like garlic and stuff. If I'm taking, if I'm in the mood for shawarma, no, if I, if I take somebody on a date, they're having shawarma too. Because if we both have garlic breath, then it doesn't matter. No, I will fully make out with someone who has garlic breath, like garlic breath or like <laughs> onion breath. Like I don't care. But something about cheese breath, it's like when like the dairies mixed together, it's like this weird, I can't describe it, but. It's just like a very specific smell, like, that makes me cringe, like, like dairy breast. Blood cheese. Yeah. The, something about, like, dairy breast compared to, like, garlic breast. I don't know. It's just not. Does that include the, when you go and get, like, boba and stuff like that? Mm, but boba is, like, I don't know, but cheese is, like, concentrated, boba, you know? I don't know. You, I can't describe I don't think it. About, I don't think about this. I've definitely like gone on pizza dates, so I don't think it bothers me. Um, I guess you must go on a lot of dates. I did. Oh, listen, listen. Well, I guess that so. was very judgmental. Because <laughs> um, I'm just like an unloved swine. Really go on dates. <laughs> Do you? When was the last time? You went on a date. Are you trying to humiliate me in my own podcast? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to keep things moving. Oh, uh, it's definitely before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. What did you do? Not much, clearly, because I'm still single. <laughs> uh, I can't even imagine dating anymore. I mean, I've been in the real same relationship for like, Almost nine years. Oh, you're a hard it life. It seems exhausting. It seems exhausting now, especially if you're like from like a major city. Like all of my friends who like live in New York and LA and Chicago, the ones that have been like single this whole time, they just say like dating is just hard. Yeah. 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 My one piece of advice is to if you go out for shawarma, make sure they ate shawarma too. <laughs> my one piece for advice oh, I don't know but like shawarma is, that's more of like a drill food isn't it if you're going uh, shawarma is good all the time I don't know what you're talking about cause I guess like to me like shawarma is like something you get like after the club you know like and they're like stand there like mm, open to like two in I the mean, morning. Shawarma when you're drunk is yeah. good, but like I because I think Michigan you can get it all over the place and you can get all different kinds. Yeah. Um whenever. Like for me, like I think of shawarma, I think of it like walking through the farmer's market because there's a shawarma stall there. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I guess you're from like um the area where there's like a lot of Middle Easterners. Middle Eastern, yeah. yeah. And the food is amazing as a result like the garlic sauce that they have the tum uh-huh. that's my favorite thing to eat with fries oh and sometimes i'll grill dumplings and i'll dip it in tum uh-huh. it's so good honestly we should just replace all aioli with tum agreed oh my god tum is kind of like aioli that doesn't apologize for itself yeah and it's like, like i'm going to i'm going to fuck your mouth with garlic and a- you're gonna love it 
There's a chicken place in LA. It's like an LA institution called Zanku's. Um, uh. And you can get like a whole like rotisserie chicken meal for like $20. Um, and they always give you two of them to eat with the rotisserie chicken. And it is so that yummy. That is such a good idea. Oh my gosh. Two of them with rotisserie chicken? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize, I like posted like a TikTok about Costco rotisserie chicken recently. <laughs> and I didn't realize that like it was around the exact same time that like David Chang was like, Bashing Costco rotisserie, or was it the rotisserie chicken yeah, that was, he was like? Yeah, it was rotisserie chicken. Why did he? Why doesn't he like it? I don't know. I feel like David Chang, like, much respect to like all the work like he's done, but uh, he's how should I? Uh, how should I word this? A little out of touch with you know, like <laughs> 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 you know, like. <laughs> Like, I don't know, I, just, I went on his TikTok and he was cooking lobster tails, like, in the microwave. And I'm like, like, what about any of this is, like, relatable to, like, an everyday people, you know? Yeah. And he's like, oh, we're going to do, like, highs and lows. And he's, like, eating caviar with, like, chicken skin. And I'm like, I don't know, like, just none of this is just, like, relatable to me anymore. Like, uh, back when he used to, like, you know, first introduce us yeah. to, like, food and things. Yeah, I was like, he... I think he was like making fun of it uh, from like the taste, but I don't, I never use, I never use that rotisserie chicken. Well, I eat, I eat the legs and the thighs on their own, but mm-hmm. then everything else I use it for like soup and stuff. Cause I think it's a really mm-hmm. good ingredient. I think rotisserie chicken is like such a good ingredient to use for other things. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, like beside, like I'll use the bones and I'll make like a ramen with it. Or yep. I've had, I know people who have made, like, taken the meat and made, like, enchiladas with it. And this oh. is so good. I oh, mean, it's already sure. cooked. So it's like, yeah. I mean, like, is it the best rotisserie chicken in the world? Maybe, maybe not. No. But the point of that whole chicken is that chicken has fed so many families, like, and, you know, like, so many, like, lower income, like, families, like, happily, like, across the world, you know? Yeah. Um, the chicken is great. The chicken. And it's cheaper than chicken. Yeah. Like, what all that dirt pour, I get that, I get that chicken and then, you know, like, make several meals out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think to bash something that was, like, so accessible and so iconic, I think that was just in poor taste. I agree. You know, like, just go back to microwaving your lobster tail, you know? Doesn't he have, like, a microwavable dish or bowl that he's, that he, that he is, like, pushing? Is it, like, part of, like, his thing? Like, is it white pushing I think, it? yeah. I think so. I think those are his. Oh. The company sent me some. Are they nice? But it just ended up, they're like glass Tupperware with glass with a vent on it. They, oh. make, they make them. I think, I think they like, it's like very, it comes off as a very much, um, as like a Japanese convenience mm. kitchen gadget to me. So I was like, okay, I think I've seen this before in like, but made of plastic and stuff. Theirs is made of glass, but it's very expensive. When I found out how much it costs, I was like, I don't know if people are ready yeah, for something like are, this. I looked it up to and it was like $150. And yeah. also, there's something funny about watching someone with like a huge sign kitchen with like granite countertops, you know, like fully stocked, you know, Using like microwave. microwaving something in a nice ass microwave <laughs> in a $150 yeah. bowl trying to like pass it off to like regular people is like this is a hack to save you like time i don't know yeah 
For, now that I think about it, now now that you put it that way, I was like, yeah, that kind of like defeats the purpose, right? Yeah. It's not really all that accessible. No. But it's like... Just put it in a bowl and put a lid on it. Honestly, or put like a glad wrap, you know, like a plastic wrap over it. Put some yeah. holes in it. Yeah. And also like... <laughs> it does the same. <laughs> if anybody's actually selling out money for like lobster tails, like... Trust like it's not going in the microwave, you know? Yeah. Like if anyone's making like that much of an effort to even like, you know, bring those ingredients home. Agreed. That whole like generation of cooks and stuff, because like Rene Rezepi is like in there too, the guy that owns Noma and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, I think that was a very complicated time for the, like those rock star chefs. Like mm-hmm. I think their bad behavior was very much forgiven because they were quote unquote like genius well i'm not going to put that in quotes they were ge- their their geniuses in their own respect but i'm just so tired of the trope of like letting men behave badly just because they're good at shit yeah like no i mean like you can be good at stuff but you can still also go to therapy like it's it does not preclude the other there's always alcohol i'm kidding i'm not promoting <laughs> <laughs> that's a huge problem anyways it's been fun to chat with you today but um i'm really hungry <laughs> no, i haven't eaten yet i know i actually have to um meet my friends for dim sum in 40 minutes <laughs> which i'm very excited about and you're in la so it's probably gonna take you that long to get there actually um driving on weekends is like not that bad it's the weekday that's a killer okay in that case, we're going to sign off. Thank you so much for uh, listening to our first episode of our podcast. Oh, yeah. And please uh, like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your mom. Don't tell David Chang. Probably wouldn't like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back next week with another episode. Bye.